All right, hello everybody. So happy to be here on the allcreation.org podcast. So thankful to our publisher, Chris Searles, and others who have been a part of making this particular issue of All Creation the success that it's going to be. I'm excited about being able to introduce to folks a conversation around what it means to be in relationship with all of our relatives out in the world, um, human, non-human, and so forth. Excited about getting to hear some voices that are indigenous for this particular issue, and we'll continue those voices into future issues, prayerfully. So this evening, because um, it is evening where we are, we get a chance to talk with Ms. Janine Yazi um, from out there in Gallup, New Mexico. And so thankful, Janine, that you could be here with us this evening. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. So this evening, you know, we wanted to have you come in, Janine, and just talk a bit about some of the things that you're doing um, out in the world, but in particular, what you're doing there in Gallup and other places surrounding um, the Navajo Nation in particular, but also talk a little bit about um, some of the cares you have for why you do the work, right, and and um, how you're getting that work done, and um, and how that connects to all your relatives, all of our relatives. So I guess we could just saying, uh, we're just asking Janine, what, 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 who is Janine? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, if you wish, and um, some, what, what you're doing right now and um, what kind of work's going on for you. Where are you putting your energy? Absolutely. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm a Diné a Navajo woman um, from the Navajo Nation, um, a little community actually called Sasa'ana, but also known as Lupton. Um, that is just right along the Arizona-New Mexico border and is on the southern edge of the Navajo Nation. So I grew up in a community dissected by many different borders. Um, and I'm a mother of two wonderful children, two miracle babies, my son and my moon. Um, I'm the wife of an incredible <laughs> Caribbean man that I met in college, um, and I'm the daughter of uh, two longtime community members and community leaders and organizers um, who really dedicated and spent their whole life working in, in my tiny little town of Lupton. Um, and so in this way, I, I walk in this world, I am rooted and grounded in my sense of place, and I've developed, um, <laughs> you guys hear that in the background? All right, hold on, give me one second. We're moving, so <laughs> things are crazy here. Um, uh, so in that way, you know, I walk in this world. Um, so the first, my first form of identity, um, the community that I grew up in is a community that is downstream from the church rock uranium milling activities. And so um, my family has been here for generations. Um, we uh, lived along the, the grants to Sanders area. Um, prior to the long walk and after the long walk, um, my family migrated further into where we're at now in Lupton um, to get further away from Fort Sumner and those memories. Um, and my, my, my family really, um, my parents have a very unique history in that they were born to uh, parents that fought against the boarding school system 
and fought to keep their their children close to them, close to home. Um, unfortunately, my father was swept up in the system when he was really young, and but his parents had the ability um, and the knowledge to fight for him and get him returned back home when they tried to ship him up north um, to a boarding school off our reservation. And so uh, for that reason, I think um, I've been a blessed with the ability to grow up deeply connected to my community and um, connected to the history of my family in this community. So when I, it was very um, common for me to grow up wondering about why um, my, my parents had such different lived experiences than I did when it came to building life in our community. Um, they remembered the acres and acres of cornfields. They remembered gathering wild foods. They remembered hunting. They remembered, um, you know, doing a lot of subsistence activities that I thought were always really cool. Um, uh, but was it something that many of our community members were doing around the time that I was um, uh, becoming uh, a teen? And um, I learned soon after that it was because of the 1979 Church Rock uranium mill tailing spill, which is one of the largest spills of radioactive nuclear waste in the United States, comparable to Three Mile Island. And it completely devastated our ecosystems, our way of life, the way that we lived and, and lived in relationship with our water even. Um, and and changed a lot of things in just uh, two generations for for our communities, and so um, like many indigenous peoples, in that way, uh, I was born into a lot of the battles that we face, living on the front lines of the compounding impacts of the environmental contamination, as well as the social and economic injustices that we face um, through systemic. Um, institution to, through institutions of power that systemically continue to carry out colonization in our lands and our territories and our resources. Um, and also the, the cultural assimilation that is impacting our communities and leading to the loss of our language and our ceremonial customs um, and, and deference to more westernized ways of living and value systems. Um, and so when I went to college, um, I, well, actually, my, my journey really began when I went to Native American prep school in Rowe, New Mexico, and was able to connect and for the first time as a young woman and a young indigenous woman, um, connect and build relationship with indigenous children from different tribes all across the US and be rooted in a curriculum where we were, we were given um, our true history uh, in this nation as indigenous peoples. And we all had this collective experience of for the first time understanding that the poverty uh, that we witnessed and that we grew up with, um, the abuse and the violence that we witnessed, the ways that we were treated and stereotyped and caricatured by mainstream society, that all of these were not our fault and that they were part of a colonial history of, of conquests um, that was predicated off of killing everything indigenous and uh, you know, assimilating us into a, a foreign way of being and of living. And it was a very profound experience for all of us to, to go through that together 
and to also um, learn from one another the differences and beauty in our differences as Indigenous peoples so that we're not just, you know, um, one pan-Indigenous tribe, but that the biodiversity that existed within our cultures itself was, was powerful and beautiful and necessary to reclaim. Um, and so, you know, being part of the generation that grew up in consciousness of climate change, I think all of these things sort of folded together to really create the foundation for what I'm passionate about, and that is doing everything I can to help serve my communities, to help serve Indigenous peoples all across the globe, and fighting for our right for self-determination, and restoring our ways of being, our traditional knowledge systems, and uh, centering and, and reclaiming our cultural practices and our ceremonial practices, because therein lies the key um, to us healing our, our relationship with our lands and with our ecosystems and with all sacred life. And due to the beautiful work that has been done by not only the American Indian movement, but a lot of the indigenous rights movements throughout the US and Canada, um, but also through the international branches of those rights movements that led to the creation of the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Uh, and because of that work, you know, our generation of movement leaders have a strong foundation to stand on to assert a, a framework for rights-based approaches that um, center and clearly articulate the interconnectedness of our inherent human rights <laughs> as human beings, but also our unique collective rights and um, how those are necessary structures and foundations for restoring our worldviews, our sciences, and our practices as Indigenous peoples. Um, and it's been really beautiful because, you know, we're living now at a time where we are seeing unprecedented challenges created by our, the unsustainability of our economic systems, um, of our political systems, um, but also living in the midst of a global pandemic um, while still being challenged to rise to the occasion to address man-made climate change and all of the impacts that that's having across the world. And in the midst of all this, as, as much as I'm seeing a lot of you know, the non-Indigenous world really get overwhelmed and experiencing new things like climate grief, um, what we're seeing as Indigenous peoples are all the necessary signs and fulfillment of prophecy that are telling us a new way is coming and a new way is possible. And it is our responsibility to rise to, to that occasion and to recognize those signs and to dig deeper within ourselves to create those pathways that are needed to uh, change the direction and course of our future by restoring our relationship with, with all of life on this planet. You're on mute. My bad. I get so excited about hearing the story and I'm like, I don't want to mess this up or have a car go by in my background to um, get in the way of all the things that we need to hear from you, Janine. I mean, just all the beautiful work that you're about and all the thought and wisdom that you place, not just in front of us here on this particular podcast, but out in the world, um, your people in particular. Um, what a gift that is. And so thankful that you're about what you're about. So thank you for sharing all that. I'm, I'm curious to know, <clears throat> though, you know, one of the things that you listed up was those pathways, you know, about how do, how do we, what, what is the next step? 
you know, we, we, me, some of us as indigenous peoples might, you know, know what that is, especially our elders or others, um, people who are in the know, people who are doing this work day to day. Um, but for maybe some of the rest of us who are caught up in the other ways in which we live or do work um, that aren't so closely connected to this, um, this work with our biosphere and our biodiversity and our climate change and all the other, you know, um, movements that are necessary to help put us in that right way. Um, with our relatives out there. But what are some of those pathways that you would like for us to be about day to day or long term? So um, this is a, a message I share with caution, right? Because I'm not trying to, I don't want to romanticize indigeneity in a harmful way. Um, and I also um, don't want to promote the indigenization of, of everything <laughs> and everyone. Um, but I think it's one of the things, because this is a question we get a lot, particularly from non-Indigenous allies, like, how can I come and like, you know, help fight for your people and your lands and your waters? And I'm, I, I'm like, well, where are you Indigenous to you? You know, like, where are your homelands? And um, homelands even in itself can be a triggering thing because so many of our indigenous peoples have been forcefully displaced and removed or had their homelands completely developed beyond recognition, right? Or changed beyond recognition. Um, so one of the other ways that I define it is, is where do the stars know your name? And by that, I mean, where is it? Where is that place, that moment when you have that first memory of looking up to the stars and recognizing that you're this speck in the universe? You know, like, and, and where can you, like, where is that experience rooted? And how can you use that to reclaim your connection as a human being living on this earth, tied to an interdependent and interconnected relationships to everything from the stars in our universe to the soil under your feet? And start that journey there, because all of our places need to be protected. Right, we are our indigenous peoples don't need saviors coming in. We really need more people to just leave us alone and let us do our thing. But what we do need is we need relatives that are willing and able to stand in defense of all sacred life and to do it in a way that is meaningful, do it in a way that is authentic and that's genuine to their real histories, uh, to where they're connected from, to where they come from, and. Um, and with our ceremonies as Indigenous peoples, this is what we can, this is what we do for our own peoples through our ceremonies. And those ceremonies, that's what make them so unique and, and why it's become so criminal to, to take and dissect little pieces and, and try to appropriate it in different ways, as much as it may make you feel good to sage off or to go into sweat when you don't understand the histories of where those practices come from and why they are done and when they are done, then you're, you're not honoring it the way that you think you are. And I think that um, there, everyone is capable, like just like how we've created those ceremonies, everyone is capable of tapping into that knowledge that exists around our world when you're, when you're able to really fully grasp and understand that sacredness that you're responsible for. And, and so with when we talk about what these next steps are, I mean, there's a lot of like, quote unquote, practical steps, right? What we're, what we're taught and to believe is practical in terms of like creating policies to further protect and safeguard the rights of indigenous peoples, um, 
creating um, conservation practices that center right relationship and values of reciprocity when it comes to uh, stewarding biodiversity and protecting biodiversity. There are definitely those practical steps, but a lot of that can't be fully actualized or realized if it is not understood that part of the problem that has created all of the challenges that we're faced with today is that there's a particular type of worldview and value system that dominates what we think is possible and what we think is right. And if we're not able to tap into something deeper, into a deeper connection and a deeper imagination based on where we're connected to, to place, then we're gonna continue to be limited and our solutions and our understanding by that dominant worldview. And so this is why it becomes so important for Indigenous peoples to be careful about things like establishing rights of nature when we have inherently unjust and deeply flawed legal systems. And we have inherently and unjust and deeply flawed education systems that are creating the lawyers to fight in those legal systems. And we have deeply flawed <laughs> and inherently unjust economic systems that you know, prevent access to those education systems yeah. and, and go so on and so on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, it's not a quick fix like that. And I think that that's partly what scares people, but that's also part of like the beauty of it is that it's not a quick fix. We can be patient with ourselves. We each have a responsibility to, to take on that journey, to, to take on that path of self-discovery. And when we do that and we invest in right relationship with those around us and with, with other forms of sacred life, you know, non-human life, um, that's, that's how we win. Yeah, right on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, I just... I'm just loving this, Janine. Thank you so much again for your sharing this wisdom. Um, I am, I am a, a, a bit um, excited to continue asking these questions. I, I do think um, there's one more question that I wanted to, to ask right now, and then and then we'll maybe take a little break. Uh, but the question that comes to mind as as you talk about all these opportunities uh, and um, I know a little bit about you so far, um, just in our short time of knowing each other, and I and I know the community you come from, and I know the challenges that are happening, even extra challenges that are happening to us and most of our communities, but yours in particular. Um, and yet you come across with just this wonderful positivity and good spirit and good medicine for me tonight. Um, um, I'm just curious to know, you know, how how might you know, despite all the things that you've listed that we're challenged by. Um, you're also listening on things that are possibility and, 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 and opportunities for healing. Uh, how do you stay yourself? How do you stay and how might you encourage others to stay in a good way, um, despite all the things that we're faced in our community, that, that we're faced with in our communities and just in our, you know, oppressed state of mind um, with all the things that we are, you know, challenged by. Mm, I'm curious, yeah. you know, how do you stay there and how do you get there? Yeah, this is a very important question. And I think the simplest answer is by understanding that we can't do this alone. And really taking as much time as we do working and fighting uh, to build and feed the relationships around us that sustain us mm -hmm. and, and doing it with intention, you know, like, yeah. I mean, just, just this week, I've had to lean on so many of my loved ones and, and my extended family and my, my, earth made family 
um, because, you know, because of those losses. Um, just last week, we lost a very important traditional knowledge holder that mm. is very significant to my family um, mm -hmm. and, and to my life and to my journey in particular. He was um, the late filmer of Blue House. Like he was the brother of an elder mentor that we lost um, two years ago. Wow. And he, he by himself <laughs> had worked to mentor and just transform and guide and shape so many young people mm -hmm. in our cultural ways and our traditions all across our, our nation, but also mm -hmm. across other tribal nations. He created the first peacemaking system on the mm -hmm. Navajo Nation, and he took that model to other indigenous tribes around the world. And he was just always so open and so loving with his with sharing his knowledge and breathing life into our movement and breathing mm -hmm. life and confidence into each of us based mm -hmm. on like our cultural values. Um, that I think that he, not only did he did he shape so much of, of and what what we come to know and understand about our our culture and in this very modern and very complex world, um, highly technological world as well. Um, but he also modeled what it meant to live in right relationship. And I think that that was very important. So his loss was immense, um, mm -hmm. but being able to reach out and talk to people and see the testimony of how much he has shaped and how much knowledge he was able to leave behind, it shifted our focus from like, like the grieving of everything that we felt was lost um, back inward the way that he taught us to remember that everything that everything that is still present everything that is still real and everything that is still possible and to work from that from that place of possibility mm -hmm. but you know it's not easy it's not easy mm -hmm. at all I think a lot of us we we burn out we mm -hmm. we experience deep depression we experience a lot of the heartache and the heartbreak that is common on front lines of these battles um, and that's why, and, and like, I don't know, in both those moments, those moments of very of deep pain um, becomes another opportunity to learn the extent of our strength, to remember that not only do we inherit the resiliency of our ancestors, but we also inherit their, their tremendous love and their tremendous power of, of believing and hoping for a, a different way, a different future, different outcomes. Um, and we're able to really tap into that and harness that when things are sometimes the hardest. And in the times when we don't, that's when we need to lean on the, our relationships around us to, to help us in that way. Mm -hmm. it's, it's about, we're not here to save the earth, right? We're here to stop messing it up for sure. And we're here to reestablish and remember our, our deep connection to our mother and what a gift that that is. But we're actually here to really grow and to evolve as a species mm -hmm. and to remember and restore our connection to each other and to rebuild, rebuild our own ecosystem, the ecosystem that sustains us as human communities. Um, so that it's back in balance with the natural ecosystems that exist around us. And we're perfectly capable of doing that. For everything that we have done wrong, we are capable of creating a solution to heal that, to address it, to take responsibility for it, and to create a new way. And, that, and that's what gives me hope. And that's what keeps driving me. Yes, yes. Well, 
you um, just continue to impress and inspire me. And I'm guessing by this point, many of our listeners will be feeling the same way. And just so folks know who are listening, um, we are with Janine Yazi from out there in Gallup, New Mexico, part of the Diné people of the Navajo, Navajo Nation. And she's just been espousing all this beautiful wisdom about um, sustainability and caring for our relatives and um, loving one another. Um, and finding solution to all the things that um, has been created for us and that we continue to be complicit in. So just so excited, um, Janine, that you're able to share all this with us. We're gonna take a break if that's okay with you. Um, maybe step back, take some breaths, get some water. Um, and we'll be back just a moment to, to maybe hear some more um, really good stuff from Janine, I don't doubt. So thank you so much. We'll be right back, folks. <laughs> 